You're listening to Divorce Literacy with the Divorce Lending Association, a divorce podcast where we dig deep into issues of divorce that center around the marital home, other real property, and divorce mortgage planning, helping divorcing homeowners and their divorce team make more informed decisions regarding home equity solutions during and after divorce. Welcome, everyone. Uh, This is your host, Adam Coleman. And joining me today is Kelly Hughes, uh, who is a financial advisor and certified divorce financial analyst with Consolidated Planning here in Charlotte. So today we're going to talk more about her role in the divorce process, both during and post-divorce, along with all the other different financial planning considerations someone should have as they're going through that process. So Kelly, thanks for being here. Hi, thank you, Adam, for having me on. Just to introduce myself, I, I am Kelly Hughes. I am a financial advisor with Consolidated Planning, and I am a certified divorce financial analyst in my company is Smart Divorce Decisions. I'm affiliated with Guardian Life Insurance Company as a financial advisor, and I also am affiliated with Park Avenue Securities. So this show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. This information does not constitute an offer or a solicitation of any product or service, and all of the information that I'm sharing is my opinion only and not necessarily that of Guardian or Park Avenue Securities. Perfect. Well, now that we've got that knocked out, tell us a little bit about yourself. And you brought up a good uh, topic where you've got a couple different organizations that you're obviously working on. You've got a couple different hats, a few different hats that, that you're wearing. So what made you decide to go into financial planning and specifically the divorce planning side, and then kind of speak to the differences between those two main organizations that you focus on? Okay. So... I got into the financial services industry coming off of being a stay-at-home mom for about 15 years. I was going through a divorce myself, and all of the stars aligned, and I found myself working at a very large insurance company with a very successful financial advisor. I was surrounded by CFPs and financial planners, financial advisors, investment advisors, And what I was finding as I was new to the industry and learning, but also going through my own divorce, it was very difficult for me to find anybody who could help me navigate all of the different financial points of negotiation. It was kind of like this curtain came down over everybody's face when I would say, so can you help me model out this alimony income stream? Can you help me understand as my children are aging out of being eligible for the child support obligation. What does that look like for me individually in terms of my cash flow? And help me understand how do I make this all work? How do I get my attorney to stop pressuring me to just go ahead and agree to the proposal without really helping me understand what I'm actually agreeing to? And so over the course of that, I was finding myself having to dig into some different financial documents, trying to trace what had happened to my retirement account. I was trying to figure out, what do you mean I have this tax bill? So I was having all of these financial issues that I was going through literally with no guidance from anybody that I was working with and definitely not from my attorney in my own divorce process. 
Over the course of my research, that's when I found the CDFA designation. And I realized if I need this help and I'm actually a financial professional, people who are not financial professionals need this help too. And so that's when I decided I was going to build my practice and focus specifically on helping women go through the divorce process and make educated decisions for themselves and for their children. Now, how did the two roles differ? So I've had a number of certified divorce financial analysts on the show, and and there's multiple roles to play. So some strictly help the divorcing client during the divorce. They just focus on the division of assets, being part of the divorce team and helping the attorneys understand that piece. And then others really just have the designation maybe on the off chance that one of their existing investment management clients happens to go through a divorce. So you kind of bridge that gap where you're kind of a hybrid of both models, correct? Right. I focus specifically on being an advocate for my client. And so I help my clients understand primarily what their liquidity is going to look like post-divorce. I focus on what assets are available to be divided. And then I give my clients recommendations as to which assets in the marital estate will be most effective in helping them set up for financial stability post-divorce. I'll actually attend mediation with my clients and model out for them the different support income streams that are being offered and being proposed. Because what I have found through my casework and also through my research is that liquidity is one of the biggest challenges post-divorce for both parties. And you know this in your work as a CDLP, that liquidity is of utmost concern because it does you no good to get all of the equity in a home if you're not able to afford the living expenses associated with maintaining that home. It does you no good to get 75% of a qualified account if you are 34 years old necessarily, right? right? Because that really doesn't impact you or does it impact you? And how much money is it going to cost you to access those funds that you were given in this element? And so that's the perspective that I take in advising my clients. And that is how I bridge the gap between being both a financial advisor and a CDFA. It is the way that I approach my work with my clients. It's all encompassing. It's not just pure and simple. What's the most equitable way to divide these assets? It's what is going to set you up for financial stability and what's also going to help you achieve your goals for your children and how you're dividing the assets right now that are designated for their college expenses, if that's in play. I guess your role as the, the CDFA versus the financial advisor, you're able to help people on the divorce side just do the divorce planning you know, without obviously charging them financial advisory fees. It's, it's very separated where they don't have to be a client of yours on the investment management side or anything like that. You're able to help them just on the divorce if they needed that. And then the idea is that if they needed further ongoing planning post-divorce, you can obviously help with that as well, correct? Correct. My divorce clients will hire me for a specific CDFA engagement in which I take a look at all of the documents that their attorney is giving them from the discovery process. And then I give them a recommendation that they then can take to their attorney about this is what I want to negotiate for. This is what I think will set me up for best. That's the end of the CDFA engagement. 
Should they then decide they want to continue to work with me long-term? Yes, I can help them do financial planning post-divorce and that's a separate engagement altogether. Gotcha. I can also, if I have clients that have come to me and said, okay, now I did get this as a quadro. Can, can you help me? Can you give me advice on how to invest it? And can you manage the money for me? And, and you know, once the CDFA engagement is terminated, yes, I can help them if they choose to continue to work with me. Gotcha. Now, specific to the CDFA engagement, you went through it and it sounded really easy. I know that there's a lot more that goes into it. So maybe walk us through what that role looks like on more of a practical level. Like, what are these people actually going through? What conversations are you having with those people? Is it more just planning for which accounts make the most sense to keep? Like, what should you negotiate for? Is there almost more of a financial coaching aspect of it to where there's budgeting and long-term planning that way? Like, what does that practically look like, I guess, for a divorcing client? So for a divorce planning engagement, my clients are usually not, maybe they weren't the person who was making all of the financial decisions for the family during the marriage. And um, now all of a sudden they are overwhelmed with trying to get all of this information together for their attorney, right? For the discovery process, they're trying to complete a financial affidavit for their attorney. I help them get all of their information organized and I'll do their financial affidavit for them. Now, lots of times, as you know, when somebody's going through a grief process, which most people going through a divorce are at in some way, shape, or form, you're not necessarily in the best emotional place to be your own advocate. And so that's where I can come in and I can help them be an outside pair of eyes. I can take some of the workload off of them and do something that to me is seriously just a spreadsheet, but to them is just overwhelming. And one more thing that just is too much to deal with. So I can help them with that. I then can also review the documents that are being collected by their attorney from the other side. And then I can show them this is what the marital estate that we have to work with is. And then I can really dig into what their living expenses are going to be. And I can help them understand what their needs for support are. And I can help them take a look at the individual assets in the marital estate and say, this is what I think will set you up for stability, given your projected future income, the, the current level of liquidity that you have to work with and what your needs going forward are going to be. Because we're not just talking about six months from now. We're talking about six years from now, right? right. And, and depending on the size of the marital estate and the length of the marriage and, and if there are children involved and how many children are involved, people going through a divorce don't necessarily change their hopes and their dreams for what they want to provide for their children. And so absolutely the division of the marital estate needs to take those hopes and dreams into consideration. And that's another way that I can help my client advocate for herself and for her kids. Because lots of times, and I know you hear this all the time, my clients come to the situation and they're like, I just, I, I've got to keep my kids in, in their same school. I've got to keep my kids in, in their home because we have to keep life stable for them. Well, sometimes that's not realistic, right? And so I can use modeling software to help my client understand you could do that right now 
And this is what it's going to cost you in terms of your long-term wealth building. So yeah, you could keep your children in their same high school right now, but that could very well result in you needing to go to them when they graduate from college and say, now I can't afford my retirement and I need your help. And is that how you want the situation to play out? Or maybe we can take a different perspective and we can plan for your future as well as for theirs. So it goes obviously well beyond just the division of assets. There's a whole holistic planning approach to that. So what other conversations are you having? Are you getting into some of the the risk management piece of it where we're talking life insurance, disability insurance, maybe estate planning, you know, all the different comprehensive financial planning pieces. Are you, are you able to have those conversations with a client during the divorce? Or is that really more something that you kind of get into after the divorce is finalized? So during the divorce planning engagement, I will be taking a look at, especially if it's a situation where support payments are going to be required, I will be taking a look at what kind of protection currently exists. And for for some of my cases, actually a lot of them, I have made recommendations that they should ask during the negotiations for life insurance and disability insurance protection to cover support payments for the duration that the support payments are going to be needed. Because let's be honest, if somebody needs an alimony payment and that alimony obligation is not protected, what happens if the ex-spouse passes away, but that person still needed alimony and they're divorced now, and that person isn't necessarily the beneficiary of any existing life insurance, that's a vulnerability for my client. And so I do look from that perspective and make recommendations that way. The same with the disability, I'm assuming as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, for child support obligations, spousal support obligations, if somebody gets hurt or injured and they can't work, it's not just their household that's going to be impacted, but it's both households that are that are dependent on that income that is currently in jeopardy. So it needs to be protected. How often do you hear, and obviously this is tough because you're getting involved, so you're obviously the one having this conversation, but how often do you hear where that isn't really happening? Like that conversation with a divorcing client, they're not even considering life insurance or disability, even if they are getting alimony or child support. So I have to give props out to the attorneys that I work closely with. I have been seeing probably in the past year or so, I have been seeing more cases where the attorneys are automatically asking for that. So I do think that the general level of awareness is increasing about the need for this kind of protection when you have children and spouses that are dependent on the ex-spouse's income. Nice. That's good. And I think years ago, that was not necessarily the the norm. I mean, I've seen a lot of separation agreements and divorce decrees, and a lot of that stuff is not stipulated in there from when I get involved on the mortgage side. So I was curious if that has evolved a little bit with the help of financial planners, obviously kind of pushing that agenda a little bit more. So, so. Yep. I think I've definitely seen an increase in, in the recent year. I think that's something that I don't think people just have top of mind. They're like, all right, or we're getting alimony, we're getting child support. We negotiated it. We, we've got that um, piece of it done. And then we can move on to something else. And they, there's not that thought process of like, well, something happens, that's gone. You don't have that to fall back on. It's not a guarantee if that person isn't able to pay or God forbid something happens to you know, the, the ex-spouse. 
So are there any other considerations like the insurance piece that kind of falls into that bucket where here's some considerations that you really need to have on the top of your mind when you're going through divorce that you just may not think about normally? So one topic that I see sometimes not addressed or addressed appropriately in some of the divorce settlements that I have for my clients who come for post-divorce planning engagements, sometimes I see retirement accounts haven't been tax affected. And my client is unaware that that she'll be having to pay deferred income taxes on qualified funds when she takes that out. So that's sometimes not necessarily a welcome surprise. (laughs) And I lay out to them, this is how much you actually have in terms of retirement income planning. Gotcha. So I guess for somebody thinking about going down that path of getting separated or getting divorced, North Carolina, which that's where we both are, is a little bit different in the process. But somebody on the early stages of going through this process, do you have any high level advice? Like what should somebody really be doing first if that's their thought process right now? So the very first step is to gather information from every account as close as possible to the data separation as you can, because that that really is the starting point for all considerations. And I find that when people are first separating, sometimes that's when it's easiest to communicate about these things, because most people want each other to be okay usually and that's when communication is easiest is right at first when you know you're you're still relatively recently a unit and you understand there's a lot that we need to unwind and and disentangle from each other and so getting the information as soon as possible for all assets all accounts that's my best advice that makes it easiest are there any resources that you typically recommend for somebody that just wants to get information on types of divorce? A lot of people don't even realize there's multiple types of divorce. So I guess that's the starting point. Are there organizations that you recommend or different things that you recommend to people kind of going down that path that are struggling just to even know where to start? Okay. So I have a website, smartdivorcedecisions.com, and I have a lot of resources for people who are considering getting divorced and who are recently separated and trying to understand the process and how it works. So that's one place you can go. I recommend the institutedfa.org website, and you can locate a certified divorce financial analyst near you from that website. They also have some materials that you can download that help you get started getting yourself organized and making your own priorities about thinking through, okay, what's important to me? What's important to me is the house. What's important to me is the beach house. What's important to me is that the kids stay in their house. Like helping you prioritize. There are some really great resources available on that website, but The other thing that I recommend, getting a good handle from the start of what your living expenses are. If your situation is that you're going to have to find a new place to live, there's a lot that goes into that decision and into that process. And so understanding what your fixed expenses are and when they hit, you know, some expenses are monthly, some are quarterly, some happen on an annual basis. And if you understand both inflows and your outflows, 
that you're good to go. And that's the best foundation to enter into any negotiation is with a clear understanding of inflows and outflows and when they happen. Do you have any uh, recommendations on ways to track that? I know there's millions of budgeting apps and Excel spreadsheets and really writing it all on paper. Uh, what's kind of your go-to method for people when you're kind of coaching them through that? So the place I always have my clients start, I give my clients access to a personalized website that helps them put it all together and aggregate all of their information. And that's what we use in our work together. But to really nail down their specific living expenses, I tell them to go to their banking mobile app and go back for the past three months and make sure that they categorize each expense that comes out of the joint accounts and comes out of their separate accounts. Because then you can export that information into a spreadsheet and it makes it very simple for a financial planner to help you say, all right, this is what your living expenses are. This is what your needs are. The software that you were talking about or the website, are you referring to your financial planning software or is it something separate? Yes. Okay. Yep. So that's an advantage of maybe somebody that has both hats where they can they can do the financial planning piece. They're comfortable with that. They've got the functionality to have that financial planning software, but also have the experience doing the divorce side. Like I know some CDFAs don't handle any of the real financial planning piece. So it's a different software that they use. And I don't think it really does much in terms of budgeting, like the, the family law software that a lot of people Correct. use. It the family do law software right? reports are strictly for communicating with the attorneys because right. that's what they use. That's the language that they speak. So when it comes to the actual financial planning software, we use a different kind. Each gotcha. financial planner will have their own different program for collecting your information and aggregating your information. Right. But they're all fairly robust financial planning softwares that do a lot of work. So it's a good tool to have access to for sure for somebody going down that path, especially if they have brokerage accounts and investment accounts that they're curious about. So I guess any other high level advice for anybody thinking about going down the divorce path from your side? It's very important to discuss your individual situation with a certified divorce financial analyst. The best example I can give you is if you got a diagnosis that was some type of cancer, you would automatically understand the necessity to go talk with a doctor that specializes in treating that, right? You would not necessarily go to your general practitioner. You may go to your general practitioner for a referral to a specialist, but you would understand the need for a specialist. So when it comes to making the financial decisions during a divorce process, it is very important to go to a financial advisor and specifically a financial advisor that specializes in the divorce process rather than ask your divorce attorney for which assets you should be negotiating for. It's just co two completely per different perspectives to the process. And I'll add on to that saying that it doesn't quite work to go to a regular financial advisor expecting to get a referral to somebody that specializes in divorce. Most financial advisors that don't specialize in divorce will probably happily take you on as a client without making that clear that they don't have that specialty. So 
don't just go to some random financial advisor thinking that you're going to get the same level of support as you are from a specialized divorce financial analyst like yourself. So I've seen that happen way too many times as well. Do you find that you get um, actually involved in the process before the attorneys or do you typically come in after the attorney? It happens both ways. It just depends on whether or not the person was aware that there is such a thing as a certified divorce financial analyst. I can tell you that my clients that get me involved from the beginning, they end up sometimes a lot better off than my clients who are just coming to me after everything was settled because there's no changing anything once everything is settled, right? I can help them, but their outcome isn't necessarily as good as it would have been if we could have started working early on in the process. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that there there are certain situations where the attorney needs to get involved, you know, first thing and as soon as possible. But in, in the scenarios where it's somewhat amicable and there's not other issues at play there, I think getting the financial piece under control ahead of time, it makes the process so much easier across the board. And, and at least you're walking into the attorney meeting with so much more ammunition and so much more information as opposed to just coming in blind and then hoping that the attorney is going to be able to decipher all of the stuff that you need done on the financial piece. Now, I'll also say that, especially in a co-parenting situation, if the the assets are divided in such a way that both households are financially stable, that makes the co-parenting relationship a lot easier going forward. You're going to be co-parents together a lot longer than you're going to be in negotiation for the divorce process. And so keeping that perspective on making sure that the kids are going to be okay and that the kids' futures aren't going to be impacted too badly by the breakup of the parents, that just makes everything easier for everybody involved. And so sometimes when you have two people in heavy negotiations, I've seen that the focus is no longer on making sure that the kids are okay and making sure that everybody else is okay. Sometimes the focus changes to we're really battling over this one issue. I literally had a client spend $4,000 in legal fees arguing over a $400 set of wedding china. Oh my God. <laughs> no one won on the top. The no attorney one. won. The, they were the ones that actually won. <laughs> right. Ugh. Well, this has been very helpful. I appreciate you taking the time to kind of go through all the different options. This is super helpful information. You mentioned your website, um, but tell everybody again, kind of the best ways to get in touch with you and to, to learn more about you. And also speak to the fact that it doesn't matter where they're located. You can help people across the country, correct? Absolutely. As a CDFA, I can help anybody in any state. My website is smartdivorcedecisions.com. And if you would like to schedule an initial consult with me, do it right there from my home screen. There's a button that says schedule a consult. I don't charge for consults. I'm happy to talk to you and, and let you know whether or not I can help you with your individual situation. I highly recommend it for sure. So definitely, I appreciate you taking the time, Kelly. This has been a pleasure. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate the invitation. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Divorce Literacy. Discover more strategies and solutions on divorce mortgage planning at divorcelendingassociation.com.